This is episode 54 of the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. Welcome to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast, conversations with women who have found creative ways to travel more. I'm your host, Jet Set Lizette, and I travel more by earning and maintaining over 1 million airline miles and hotel points. So far, I've saved over $110,000 in travel costs. I love talking to other women who have also made travel a priority and sharing their creativity, insights, and travel resources. Today, I'm talking with Kim Haas, executive producer, host, and creator of a new PBS travel series called Afro-Latino Travels with Kim Haas. The series honors the historical and cultural contributions of Latin America's African descendants and the unique role they played in building countries such as Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, the Dominican Republic, and Mexico. The show premieres with a two-part special featuring Costa Rica on September 12th in celebration of Hispanic Heritage Month. Kim talks about what sparked her love of travel and languages, about her work in Spanish media, and what led her to create a show about Afro-Latino cultures. She also shares some of the challenges of getting the show off the ground, how she's navigating the pandemic, and how travel has changed her. There's so much I enjoyed about this conversation. But before we dig in, I do want to mention that this episode is being sponsored by two great companies. The first is Waypoint Goods. They are the maker of my favorite travel scarf. It's an infinity scarf with a zipper pocket where you can store things. You don't have to carry a purse to have your valuables on you. It's great when you travel. It's great at home. Great when you go to the store. Beautiful prints, beautiful design. You can get a 15% discount if you go to waypointgoods.com and enter Jet Set at checkout. I'm also being sponsored by Manta Sleep. They have an incredible plush, soft sleep mask. I love a good sleep mask. I don't sleep well unless it's pitch black. So this is an exceptional one. Again, not just for travel, but also at home. Very stretchy, very comfortable, easy to adjust. Definitely want to check it out. So go to mantasleep.com and you can enter Jet Set for a 10% discount at checkout. So without further ado... Let's get into the interview. Well, welcome, Kim, to the Globetrotter Lounge podcast. I am so excited to have you here with me today to talk about so many things. It's good to have you. Thank you so much, Lisette. It's a real pleasure. Thank you. So before we get to all the juicy stuff about your new show, let's rewind and go back in time. And maybe you can tell me a little bit about what sparked your love of travel. Ooh, so it was my grandmother who, bless her heart, Cassie Keith was her name, and she took me to Acapulco, Mexico, when I was about seven or eight years old. And I remember that that was my first trip abroad, and I remember that someone taught me to count in Spanish from 1 to 20 in the hotel lobby, and that was it. And knowing that, you know, I could travel. And so I traveled with my grandmother for quite a few trips and she took me to Hawaii and just had a wonderful time. And so I credit my grandmother for inspiring me. And, you know, I just think about it and about to kind of tear up, you know, what what it means. But I think the show is about and I honor her because this is about her love of people, her love of experiences and being so open 
so that's how that's how it, that's how it all got started. And thanking the person in the hotel lobby. I love that story for so many reasons. And I love how, yeah, your grandmother inspired probably way more than she ever thought. You know, <laughs> now you have a TV show you're going to be hosting. And so, I mean, it's amazing what one little seed can, you know, lead to. So, and where did you grow up? So I grew up in Philadelphia. So I'm a Philly girl and um, just have, and have an amazing supportive family. Uh, my parents are just wonderful and extended family. We're all so supportive of each other. So I'm just so thankful. But yeah, my grandmother just got that spark ignited. That's great. Yeah. Let's see. I also want to ask you, so you grew up in Philly. Did you have any other, did you take a lot of trips when you were a kid from Philly? Were you going, you know, a lot of places with your family or not so much? Absolutely. We were really fortunate. And like I said, you know, obviously with my grandmother and then my family, my parents and I have a younger brother. So we would go to do a lot of the domestic. So you know, Williamsburg, Virginia, Cape Cod, you know, traveling up and down the Eastern seaboard. So my parents, you know, like to travel too. And so I think that combination, when you have parents who want to go or ready to go, you got a grandmother who's willing to take you. I mean, it's setting you up for, you know, I mean, you can't help but want to travel. And so I was just very fortunate that, you know, I was born to these people. And so very grateful for those experiences and knowing that the world is larger than just outside my door, wherever I am, that there's so much out there and uh, that it's just, you know, you can go and just travel your own city. I mean, you don't have to wait for, and especially now, right, in the health crisis and the pandemic, you know, get to know if you can your own city, if you can't travel domestically right now or you can't travel abroad. There's so much that we can just learn right in front of us that sometimes I think we overlook. So, yeah. So true. So true. I know I'm, I'm discovering things about my city and have said a number of times recently, like, I didn't know this was here or like, why do I feel like I'm in California? Or, you know, just like being surprised by certain yes. areas that I just yes. had not taken the time to explore. Okay. So you are fluent in three languages. How did that happen? And I think about how rich my life has been and how rich it is because I can communicate in people in other languages. So it's Spanish and then obviously knowing a romance language, you know, the other ones come easier. So I remember, you know, I studied abroad. I, I took Spanish throughout school. And then, you know, I'm thinking I really, you know, I can speak Spanish until I studied abroad in Spain. And I remember walking up in Seville to the house of the apartment of my, the family I was staying with and the mother, Nina, I forgot. She said something to me because, you know, I'd been traveling all day. Um, I think she was asking me, you know, do I want to shower or something like that? Quieres ducharte? But I think she, the way she said it, and she was so, so fast and rapid, I had no clue what she was saying. I was totally lost. And I thought, what happened to all the Spanish that I was studying in college? So I learned quickly that I didn't know a whole lot and nearly not as much as I thought I did. And it was very humbling. And Nina, the mother, she had four children and none of them spoke English, which was the best thing. So I couldn't fall back on English. And it really forced me to have to really push myself, get out of my comfort zone. You couldn't sit back because if I wanted to eat, you know, and if I wanted something in particular, I had to figure out what was the word or try to pantomime it or figure out how to say it or look, you know, so it was just an absolutely wonderful experience. And I had a great family and they treated me like family. And I went to their hometown in Cadiz province, Espera. 
And it was a little, little whitewashed, white painted town that you picture in Andalusia. And I would go with them whenever we went on holidays and weekends. And I felt, um, you know, really at home and had a wonderful time and stayed out late with, the, you know, as the Spaniards do and partied and, you know, learned and had an, an amazing experience. So was this during college then? Yes, this was college. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's so many things I like about that story, including Cadiz province. I mean, I've been to Cadiz and loved it there. My husband and I were actually just thinking back on that trip recently. It's been quite a while, but we were just talking about it the other day and I studied flamenco dance for many years. So yes. I was really excited to be there and to hear you now talking about Andalusia and thinking how amazing that would have been. I spent my time studying abroad in Italy, which was different. Dove, dove? <laughs> Perugia. Ah, yes. I basically was like the Amanda Knox story without the horrors of going to prison. Yes, yes. I went in. When did I go? I went when I was 19, basically, and studied where she studied. Oh, cool. Have you been to Italy as well? I have. I, I, I've been in Italy many times and studied in Taormina in, in Sicily. Wow. Well, I say studied, uh, quotes, for six, six to eight weeks. I was in Taormina and had, you know, an amazing time. So... Incredible. Okay. I love Tarmi that they're on my honeymoon. <laughs> because, oh my gosh. And I'm actually, I mean, I went to Sicily. I went to a lot of places. We went to Italy. We went yes. to France. We did a few other things, but we did go to Sicily and we were supposed to go around Sicily and we got to Taormina at the beginning and we never left. We spent the whole like <laughs> week or whatever we were supposed to be there on Sicily. We just went to Taormina. Yes. So, and I do plan to go back to Sicily at some point since I actually, my biological one of my biological family lines is they go way back in Sicily in this little town above oh Palermo. Goodness. So yeah. Oh, how fascinating. So yes, I love Taormina too. And I need to go back there. <laughs> and the gelato was incredible. It's incredible right? gelato. I was getting like two and three cones and I was like, okay, you need to stop in a day. Like, and go right, back. Exactly. Exactly. So, okay. So we're talking about study abroad and how that opens the doors. And it's like, you know, you can hear us like two travel geeks just going off. We're yes. like, oh, Taormina, oh, the gelato. And like, you know, but yes, to get back to the story of how you ended up speaking all these languages. And then actually, I'm curious what your area of study was. Yeah. What was I studying in college? No, um, studying Spanish. So I was a Spanish major. Okay. And I went to the University of Pittsburgh. And at one semester, I remember having a class in, I had Spanish, Portuguese, and Italian in the same semester. That was a doozy. Yeah, that was a real, took a few minutes just to reorient myself to what language am I in now, right? But it was a lot of fun. And you know, when your heart's in it, I mean, when you're just like, oh, this is, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so I, I just really, I always enjoyed languages. And I think as I was mentioning, just to be able to connect with someone that if they don't speak English or try my, try Italian or speak to someone in Spanish or Portuguese is just, um, it's a joy. And to be able to do that, I think, is just a real pleasure and honor. So, so I have fun. I love that we're talking about this because although I've had quite a few guests on my show, and we certainly talk a lot about travel, we don't always talk about language. And I love languages also, you know, speaking quite a few different ones, also romance languages myself. I really appreciate what you said, because I think for me, that makes it the most fun when I can communicate and it just elevates everything to a new level. Like I'm fortunate to speak fluent French because my mother raised me, you know, she's French Canadian. And so I grew up speaking French. So I just love being 
in a French speaking country, I don't even have to do anything special. I just like it that I can walk into a store and ask someone, you know, for something I need and just being able to converse. It just immerses you so much more deeply. You know, people get excited that you're speaking their language. They want to tell you things. They want to invite you over for lunch. You know, it's just, it changes everything. Yeah. Oh, let's say you're telling about those lunches you're getting invited to. (laughs) (laughs) They sound great. I know they're great, especially. Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I mean, it's those those moments. And I think people are really appreciate, even if you're not, if you're not fluent, that's okay. But are you making the effort? Right. Are you trying? And I think people see that and recognize your willingness, your interest. I think it goes a long way. And like you said, and then there's a certain amount of independence when you can go into a shop and ask about the shoes or the bag or whatever it is, or the sandwich, and you can order it or make your way through or the dish on your own. There's something about that also that is uh, I enjoy. And you can talk to the locals, you know, and find out, well, where should I go? Or what's the great park or the museum? I mean, I just think it's wonderful. And it's so unexpected a lot of times. I think, you know, when you travel abroad, I think a lot of times there's not that expectations that expectation that as you know, someone from the United States, you will speak another language. And then it's also kind of nice to sometimes uh, when people see me speak Italian and they see, you know, and they know I'm see me as a black woman, surprising people sometimes. That's kind of fun, too. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, it is it is really fun. And even here in the States, like when I've traveled, I went to the Women in Travel Summit in Portland, Maine last year. I remember I got in real late. It was you know, after midnight, well after midnight. And I had a Uber pick me up and the guy was, I can't remember which, which uh, African country he was from. Is one of the French speaking yeah. ones, maybe Senegal. He was listening to some good music, you know, and, and I said, ah, I love that song. What is that from? And he started talking to me. And then at some point I just said something in French and he was just so excited. Yes. <laughs> he yes. Was like, a black person in the U.S. who speaks <laughs> French. <laughs> yes. <laughs> literally like freaked out. He was like, oh, this is so great. And he was like, you made my night, you know, when I was getting out of the car and, and, uh, yeah, there's just something about it. People love that feeling of like, hey, they just love that extra connection that you can give. So anyway, so I love that we're talking about language. And I agree with you, even if, you know, we don't have to be fluent to make that attempt. And I know when I first went to Brazil, I did not speak Portuguese. And it was, you know, I didn't know what was going on. I did try to learn enough before I went to try. And they're very forgiving in Brazil about, you know, you just say any little thing. And they're like, yes, they're so excited. (laughs) So, you know, they're very encouraging there. So you ended up after college, I saw that you worked at some point, you ended up as director of marketing for, what was it? WWSI TV Telemundo. That's correct. Muy bien. Yes. (laughs) So tell me, how did that happen? I mean, that's just fascinating to me. Well, thank you. You know what? I, again, I always wanted to combine my love of languages with communications and television in particular, or film, but really television. So and I watched Spanish language television and I knew that, you know, I wanted to work in it, be around it. I love that. So I followed up. I knew someone and we had talked and continued talking. And then the station had been off the air for a while in Philadelphia and it came back on under new ownership. And um, I interviewed and won the position. And, you know, we helped launch the station again in Philadelphia. And so I worked there for a while and but then I moved my fiance and now my husband and I moved from Philadelphia to Milwaukee, Wisconsin. So um, I left that position 
And then not long after that, started consulting and then eventually formed, started my own business. But I always had this dream of wanting to combine Spanish languages and television and communication. So I'm thrilled to say that I'm, I'm doing that now and just absolutely delighted. I mean, when you're living the dream, it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So tell me about your work now. I mean, there's the show, but you're kind of talking about the consulting. I'm just curious about that. What is that about? So, I mean, it still combines these, these interests that I have. So we in the New York City area, my firm, Haas Media, we work on projects a lot of times with doing community outreach or translation projects. If there's a big, uh, not big, but if there's a project infrastructure or healthcare you know, whether it's health and human services or sanitation, or we worked on a project for the MTA, the subway folks that get us all around, or the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. We did a six language project. There you go, the languages. We worked in six languages, had our outreach team out, working on a project for the Port Authority. So it's those kinds of projects which still allow me to combine the languages. That's why being in New York is so perfect because you just meet people. You can literally meet someone from anywhere in the world on any given day. And I love it. And so that's what we do. That's what Haas Media does kind of on a day to day. And then obviously I have this other baby besides my daughter, but this other project that's just got me, you know, obviously super fantastic and excited. Yes. Yeah, so why don't you tell us about that? And also tell me how, like sort of how it came to be. I would love to hear how this has all happened. Okay, the short version or the long? No, um, yeah, whatever yeah. you feel like. No. <laughs> <laughs> I just mean because how it came to be was a lot of work, and so I'll tell you. So, what we are about to launch, and I'm just so grateful for, is Afro Latino Travels with Kim Haas, which will air throughout the country on PBS for Hispanic Heritage Month. So, starting in New York on September 12th. And then I just really suggest people check their local listings, please, to find when it'll air in your neck of the woods. And so this started and this idea came about because of, you know, I watched Spanish language television in the United States. And unfortunately, I never saw anyone who looked like me on Spanish language television. But yet I traveled and I'm learning about the Middle Passage, you know, through college. I'm writing papers about the slave trade in Brazil and Cuba. And I've got professors from Brazil and all over, you know, Latin America. And I've got friends in Philadelphia who are involved in Afro-Latino, you know, movement. And I was helping with a symposium there at one of the museums in Philadelphia around Afro-Latinos and trying to bridge a gap and connect Afro-Latinos and African-Americans. So I'm learning more about it. I have friends who are Afro-Puerto Rican, who are Dominican of African descent, Afro-Venezuelan, Cuban. And so I'm seeing all these, I have all these friends and I'm traveling, you know, I'm going to Havana and I'm seeing people who look like me and look like you. And in Cuba, you know, they're thinking I'm Cuban um, or somebody's thinking I'm Panamanian. And then you're watching, I'm watching television. I see no one who looks like these people. And, you know, it's heartbreaking. And the more you learn about the accomplishments and the tremendous impact that African descendants have had in Latin America, it's mind blowing. And each country has its own unique history, but I find it so interesting. Afro-Mexicans, 
you know, I have a friend who's from Mexico in, you know, in this area, and she didn't know that they were Afro-Mexicans. So she did not know about her own countrymen. They're Afro-Bolivians, Afro-Venezuelans, you name it. And so Latin America has been richly rewarded with its African presence for 500 years. And unfortunately, we're just not seeing that and hadn't been seeing it on television. And, you know, I'm studying and I'm learning. And I said, you know, maybe that's what I'm, you know, I'm here to do is to bring that to television and to show these people that I'm meeting when I'm in Havana and I'm meeting these musicians and I'm in Venezuela and I'm talking to my friend, Eveline, and I'm meeting her two brothers who look like they could be my brothers are showing me around Caracas uh, or I'm in Salvador, right? And learning about the, you know, the capoeira. Oh my God, just mm -hmm. amazing. And, you know, in Ecuador and Esmeraldas, all these communities and all these incredible people who have not had a chance to be seen, have not been heard, or I shouldn't say that, but on Spanish language television in particular, have not had their voices heard, their stories shared, their presence known, and it's time. And I think where we are in this country with the social movement going on now, Black Lives Matter, you know, I wanted to be a part of that. And I wanna say Black Lives Matter, absolutely. And they matter in Latin America. So the idea came about many, many years before, and I'm just jumping forward, but to go back and rewind a little bit. So this idea came about and I pitched it to a PBS station and they liked the idea right away. So they got it. They understood it because you have to get people to understand it. You know, sometimes, especially years ago, you say Afro-Latino and people would be like, what? What's that? Yeah, like, yeah, exactly. Like I, I got to get my hand, you know, I got to wrap myself around that. What is that? And so I would, you know, explain and then people, oh, okay. But you know, so I pitched it, the PBS station liked it. But I think one of the things people don't know about PBS or may not know is that with PBS as a producer, you know, as I am in this role and host, you have to come up with a sponsorship yourself. That's right. Come up with it, find somebody else, find a, you know, someone who believes in it, but somehow, yes, you have to bring the funding to the table. And so you have to make it happen. And so it was years and I can say, from many years ago, working, coming up with this idea and pitching it to the different countries, corporations, um, I mean, you name it, anywhere where I thought there was a connection and the various countries. I mean, I'd open myself up to, you know, Brazil, Colombia, Cuba, you know, and it just got a lot of rejection. I mean, I heard no so much. You thought my name was no. I mean, it was just no, no, you know, or no, thank you or you name it, however they needed to say it. But I mean, it was just a tremendous amount of rejection. And I mean, it's hard. I mean, it was really hard. And when you feel like you have something, you know, your dream project, and you're just trying to get it off the ground, and you know, it's for a good cause to highlight, shine the light on a group of people who've really been underrepresented, underappreciated and undervalued, and have contributed so much. And so you know, the worth and value of it. And you just, I mean, it's just hard. I mean, it's just, there's no other way to put it. I mean, it was just hard. And so, you know, you, you just keep knocking on doors and took a little break in between and, you know, had my daughter and came back and my husband was always super supportive. I go back to that. I go back to my parents being so supportive. 
and then coming back again, getting up again. You know, you get knocked down, you know, and getting back up again and trying, just reaching out to people and trying to get support for this idea. Because again, you have to come to PBS, you know, either with the show ready, um, but you have to come with the funding because they do not provide the funding for you. So it ultimately... All that work and perseverance, it sounds like you just kept going no matter what. It finally paid off because the show is going to be airing. So sounds like at some point, some door opened and you were able to do it. You know what? Um, I, I really want to give credit to the Costa Rica Tourism Board because uh, they believed in the project. And, you know, there's nothing like having a champion and someone who believes in your project. And so... I had the good fortune of, um, I was just at an event and met somebody from the tourism board and he said, oh, he was interested. He said, oh, okay, that sounds interesting. And then he referred to me to someone else at a PR agency. And she said, oh, well, I'll connect you with, um, I'll just say Arlette because I love Arlette and Arlette believed in it. And she said, we are going to bat for this. And, you know, when they went up to talk to the tourism board, you know, here we are, and the tourism board has been supported us and just so grateful. I mean, they believed in it. And so um, we shot the two episodes and with, you know, their support. But again, I still had to put in funding for the crew and they provided the in-kind support, which meant a lot. And then you also have to pay the crew, you know. And when I was leaving the airport after a two-week shoot in San Jose is one episode and Limon on the coast is a second I mean, I cried in the airport. I was just in tears of joy that finally, after all this time, you know, you're able to realize a dream and feeling good, really good about what you accomplished and the team that worked together to put it together it was just a wonderful feeling. And uh, I was just so pleased and amazed. So, yeah, that's the story, the short and the long of it. Wow. Congratulations on getting it off the ground. And I'm so glad that finally someone Thank was listening you. and supportive and, you know, someone who could help with actually making it happen. So you have the two part series about with, you know, featuring Costa Rica. Have you already shot other ones? Are you planning, you know, what what's the plan? I know the pandemic's probably challenging. Well, you know, yeah, you know, the I think the silver lining in this, if you know, because there's silver lining, even in these tough times, right, is because some of our, our projects were suspended in New York, right, as the epicenter of the pandemic, it actually it was a blessing because in that sense, because it freed up time for me to work on getting these episodes edited. And our team on this side, and um, we just said, you know, can we do it? Can we get these episodes, two episodes done in time to air for Hispanic Heritage Month? Because that's what, you know, this is back in like March, you know, February, March, before the pandemic, we were talking about it. And then the pandemic hit and they're like, okay, let's, can we do this? And my editor, bless her heart, my good friend, Stacy, was like, we can do it. And it's going to be tough. It's going to be intense. And so we were just editing and going back and forth night and day, weekends. I mean, just working to get it done. And then, you know, had the good fortune again of receiving support from the Ford Foundation, who's really working to... I think um, support endeavors that really work to end discrimination and increase race, you know, representation and support Black Lives Matter and those kinds of um, 
projects and programs. So we got a, we received a grant from the Ford Foundation and I'm so thankful to them. And we were able to finish the episodes and get them in on time. Yes, thank you. And so grateful and so pleased of, of the content. Really, really proud. Yeah, amazing. So will future episodes be just when you can, like Brazil, Colombia? I saw that, you know, in the description, it says, you know, through the lens of culture and compassion, host Kim Haas will examine the unique role that Africans played in building countries such as Brazil, Colombia, Costa Rica, Dominican Republic, Mexico, and Cape Verde. So <laughs> I'm like, woo, we got places to go and record. I can say record because I'm a podcaster. Shoot. That's okay. okay. Um, okay. <laughs> so it what, all works. what do you think the plan is for those future episodes right now? Yeah, so we um, we definitely well, we were supposed to shoot in Salvador, so we were you know supposed to be there this time in in August. We were supposed to be in Salvador shooting Rio. We were also in talks with them and had a lot of support to shoot in Rio, and so I was really excited about that. I had actually gone to Rio last year in January on a scouting trip, so I'd met with you know folks down there and explored the rich. Afro-Brazilian culture in Rio is just phenomenal and was so excited about the content we had for that. So we were going to be in Brazil this time, but obviously some other things, you know, life happened, right? But they will happen, right? I mean, the goal is it will happen. It just is a delay. Yeah. So we are working in, and I think uh, next year, we're just going to let something, you know, get through this period, but we've got other countries who want to be part of this. And I think that's the wonderful thing. Uh, when I started on this journey, you know, several years ago, many years ago, the country just weren't interested. And so when I talked about Afro-Latino culture, I mean, they just, the interest was not there or for whatever reason, let's just say. And then I can see the shift in attention, in awareness about Afro-Latinos. I can absolutely see it in the last several years because now all of those, many of those same countries now are interested in having us shoot and interested in having us come, are talking about their initiatives, what they're doing to support their Afro-descendant populations, their programs. So I can absolutely see an evolution and I'm so glad to see that. And yeah, we fully expect to be on the road again you know, next year so that we can bring audiences more of this richness and connect. And so then when people go travel, you know, go and see, look up some of these, you know, people and spend some money in these communities because people will welcome you warmly. And, you know, but I think a lot of many of them, you know, need some economic help and are trying to develop their tourism. And so they're trying to attract and bring in more travelers and they want to share their culture, you know, with travelers and they want to meet new people. So I think, you know, one of the things is that I encourage people, you know, next time you go to Costa Rica to, you know, maybe buy Quince Duncan's book, you know, and learn a little bit more about the Afro Costa Rican tradition or spend some time in Selvin's restaurant in Limon in Puerto Viejo. Um, he's so sweet and you'll see him in the in the episode and he, you know, he's teaching me how to make rondon. He was telling me, it's like, you know, go run down and get, you know, seafood and go run down to the beach and pick up this and go run down. And and that's all part of that Jamaican history in Costa Rica, which is so rich and which I, I learned about in preparation for the show. It's fascinating. And so I think there's so much that we can do and we can travel differently and we can 
open our eyes and our hearts to maybe experiences that we otherwise wouldn't have had kind of going, you know, the same kind of route. So I think if we consider, you know, oh, what about, you know, the Afro Costa Rican experience, you, you know, you'll be richer as a, as a result of it. Yeah, no, I love everything that you're saying. And I was also noticing that you had actually started um, a blog at some point, right? Los Afros Latinos. Um, I don't know if that's still up and running, but you obviously that was like a long time ago, I think, right? I read that it was like a decade ago or something. So you've been doing this oh for a long gosh. time. And I love your, is that blog still up by the way, or no? The blog is still up. Yes. And you know, the blog, I had the idea for the TV show, even with, you know, with the blog and the blog, I think was a way of exploring these topics. It's the same idea. You know, I want to show much more positive portrayals. I want to show the people that I'm meeting that my my friends that are Afro Latino, I want people to see and learn more about the Afro descendants in Latin America. So that's how the blog got started. And then being in the New York City region, I mean, this is like this has got to be one of the hearts and capitals in the U.S. at least. And there's so many Afro Latinos here that, you know, it's easy to or musicians that come in from Latin America to reach out and, you know, interview people. So New York is so rich in culture and there's so much here that um, I, I started the blog. But, you know, it's hard. You've got to figure out how to, you know, in terms of your time and energy. And so, you know, just juggling all these plates and things and and then getting it's a lot. Yeah. And then knowing what the TV show required. So we always want to get back to the blog and we'll do so. But I think um, putting together the TV show was just was so demanding that, um, yeah, we haven't been able to write in a while. Well, I bring it up also because I was thinking as you were talking about, you know, encouraging people to think about for future travel, exploring the Afro-Latino cultures in different countries that they may be going to, thinking, oh, and before we travel, we could actually be doing research about it. And, you know, there's your show that's coming out. But if you have the blog, even if it's older, you know, interviews, fine. But just whatever's out there, you know, there is a lot of information out there, I'm sure. But people just may not have been thinking, you know, focusing on that. And so even for me, I mean, I've gone to Brazil a lot, and that is an Afro-Latino culture. But I'm not, I haven't, you know, when you were saying like Afro-Mexican, I was like, really? You know, so like I can, you know, open my awareness up and there's a lot to be learned, obviously. And like you said, just hasn't been out there in that way. So I think, yeah, encouraging people even before traveling while we're at home to really start to think about this differently. And in some ways, you know, your whole story is interesting because yes, nobody wanted a pandemic. None of this, this is all crazy, but it has afforded some time to explore. And also this push, like you said, the social movement, this reignition of social justice, equity, you know, trying to, you know, anti-racism period, gives some energy to what you are trying to do. And I think that that's really good too. Absolutely. I think what you were saying and, you know, I would, you know, in the beginning, you know, it was March 11th. I remember when I had just come from New York and I had a couple, you know, we had some events and trainings in New York and just finished. And, you know, when the world, I mean, it just changed for all of us in you know, some form or fashion. And then once you realize after that first week, you know, we might be in this, you know, I didn't think to this, you know, to this extent, but we may be in this for a while. And then you have to start thinking, well, okay, well, how am I going to use this time? And, you know, you can either see it as obviously a gift and obviously, and I'm, of course, not talking about the people that are suffering and, you know, with who've been hospitalized and so forth. I, you know, my heart goes out to them. So I, you know, obviously take that 
total consideration. But if you have your health and you are, you know, trying to figure out how to, you know, manage and all this. And I just said, you know what, I, I got to figure out now what, you know, what are we going to do? Because time, as my mother tells me, time is going to pass regardless. And six months are going to pass. And so what do you want to say you've accomplished after those six months or whatever it is, you know, whatever time period you're looking at. And so I would encourage anyone who has, you know, a dream and especially a travel dream, you know, you just start, you sometimes you have to start small piece by piece. And like you said, Lisette, maybe it's researching and just, or picking up the phone and calling someone, you know, who's been there or calling the consulate or the embassy or going to the library or looking online, whatever it is, just doing, you know, taking one step and the next step and just seeing yourself and then seeing yourself making it happen. And so the pandemic for, you know, as, as challenging as it has been, did afford me that opportunity for us to say, look, we're going to do this. We're going to edit these episodes. We're going to get it done and we're going to make it for Hispanic Heritage Month. And there may be some, you know, tears shed along the way. And, you know, it's, it's going to be tough because it's a, it was just a tremendous amount of work. But I'm glad to say here we are. And I think I was also inspired by the Black Lives Matter movement because you knew, hey, I mean, people out there really suffering. I know we can edit some TV shows. So that also inspired and encouraged me and knew I really want to get this on the air and I want to get it on the air for Hispanic Heritage Month so we can start changing and amplifying and opening up the definition of what it means to be Latino, what it means to be Hispanic, and to really start listening and hearing these stories of Afro-descendants. Amazing. Yep. Very timely and just so important. So I'm so glad you're doing this work. We need to start wrapping up, but I do want to ask you a couple more things. One is the question I ask everyone, which is how has travel changed you internally? I think it just makes me hopefully much more open, hopefully much more compassionate, hopefully much more understanding, hopefully much more curious, hopefully much more giving. And, and it doesn't have to be you know, monetary, but giving of myself. I'll just tell you real quickly, I was in, last year I went to Rio, as I mentioned, scouting, and I went to a favela because Providencia, which is the oldest favela in Rio. And I wanted to have my own experience about what a favela is, um, because you hear all these people talk about favelas and usually it's very negative. And I wanted to have my own experience and make, make up my mind. And I just met this mother and daughter who could not have been kinder. The generosity that came just from their smiles. I mean, I love them. And I had met them and we had been in each other's presence for all of, we probably had 10 minutes together and took a picture together. But I felt so at home and so comfortable with them. And they offered me some of their lunch. I mean, just as warm as you could ask of anyone. And so I hope that is what I learn and continue to learn and be adaptable and flexible. And um, I think that's what travel does for me. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I resonate with so much of what you just said. And any tips or advice for people? I, I think we've already given. I mean, we've, you've been saying like, hey, go out and research already, you know, even if you're not traveling yet. But anything you would say for people who may feel, you know, apprehensive about getting out there and traveling, but want to do more? Any thoughts on just how to break through that? 
Sure. I mean, if it, if you're apprehensive, know that that's okay. But I think go still with a big heart and be open. I think it's okay to be apprehensive. If you're going to a country that doesn't speak English and you don't speak the language, you know, how are you going to get around? How are you going to make do? How, you know, those, those things that we take for granted when you're in your home country. But I think if you want to live life, I think, I believe, you know, fully and just enjoy yourself and be in, in the present moment and get all you can out of it, you got to push yourself. And if you're apprehensive, ask someone if you're going to a place that where you know someone is from that country or maybe they have relatives, ask them someone to connect you, make some calls before you go. I think if you could, the more you can do ahead of time, especially if you're apprehensive, I think can help ease some of the fears because especially if you know somebody that's maybe going to meet you somewhere so you have something to look forward to but we have so much at our disposal right now with the internet you can connect with anyone and so i think take a deep breath know that you will be all right know that there's a whole world out there waiting for you to be enjoyed to savor and to have just more wonderful experiences so i'd say do your research as much as you can and then go, I think, with an open mind and know that in the end, human beings all, I think human beings just, I think, want to be heard, want to be appreciated and valued. I think no matter where you are and no matter what your religion, what you eat, what you don't eat, I think people just, I think throughout the world just want to be valued as human beings. Amen to all of that. I'm just like, I could talk to you for so long. I'm just sitting here going, no, we don't want to end now. But I really appreciate your thoughts, your insights. And it's been really a delight talking with you. I cannot wait to see the the show, the two-part show about Costa Rica. Um, can't wait for that. And why don't you tell us where people can find you online, where they can find out more? Sure. So the easiest thing is travels with Kim Haas, H-A-A-S. I know some people know the avocado, H-A-S-S, but we're H-A-A-S. So travels with an S with Kim Haas.com. And then we're uh, still developing the website, but you can get information there and we'll be bringing more as the days and weeks come along. But I think you'll hopefully be en enjoy the shows, be inspired, and hopefully we'll see you in Costa Rica at some point. Awesome. Well, I know I will definitely be following what you're doing. Thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk with me today. Thank you for all the great work you're doing. And I hope everything continues to unfold in a good way for you. Oh, Lisette, gracias. Obrigada. Grazie. Appreciate it very much. It was a pleasure. Prazer. Prazer. Ciao. Ciao. Want to check out the resources and links mentioned during the episode? Head over to the show notes at jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 54. That's jetsetlizette.com forward slash episode 54. And Lizette is spelled L-I-S-E-T-T-E. -E. You can also find out information there about my online course, Jet Set 101, Becoming a Travel Hacker. There's a link from my website, jetsetlizette.com, or you can go to jetset101course.com. And if you've enjoyed this episode, Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you are listening to this podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. I really appreciate you spreading the word as it helps to grow the show. Thanks so much for tuning in and getting some travel inspiration. I'll be back with more in a couple weeks. Until then, remember, life is short, travel more. Travel more.